Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and today we're speaking to Mark Missigman. Mark is a John Maxwell team leadership coach, speaker, and teacher. Servant leader is the best way to describe Mark. He is not interested in awards, promotions, or publicity. What he is interested in is that the people who come into his life be positively affected by the interaction, that their lives are touched and enhanced. Mark has led professionals in various careers, the military, private industry, and sports. The best results come when you not only help teammates with their jobs, but also with their lives. Mark is an encourager. He's authentic and consistent. He is the same with presidents of companies as he is with the homeless, open, honest, and compassionate. His consistencies stem from his strong faith, wonderful relationships, and strong family ties. He sees the best in everyone, then sets about helping them become the best they can be. We all need someone to believe in us. Mark provides that kind of belief, which ignites the passions of those around him. So welcome, Mark Missigman. How are you? I'm doing very well, Lily. How about yourself? I'm doing great, and we are so happy to have you on our podcast. As you know, this podcast takes us on a journey to master leadership, and we want to do that today by asking you key questions. So are you ready to pour into our listeners? I'm ready to pour into your listeners, and I'm very honored and grateful you'd ask me to do this. So I'm glad to be here. Awesome. All right, Mark, can you tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now? Sure. I think my path to leadership started with uh, my mom and dad and the integrity that they had with our family. We had a large family. I have 11 brothers and sisters. And, oh, wow. And Where do you fall on that? <laughs> I'm actually the youngest. So uh, I do have a twin sister, but she's a little older than me. I think that my leadership started there because, you know, they showed us how to do things right and they kept the family together and they did everything with integrity. Mm -hmm. No matter what we're doing, you know, they insisted that we do it right, represent the family well. I think from there, it transitioned into the sports. I always seemed to matriculate into the position of leadership, whether it was the American football team to become the quarterback or the sports basketball team to become the point guard. And after that, it was the Navy. I mean, I was in the Navy for 20 years and was in various leadership positions from an early age and all the way through. I mean, you learn a lot about leadership when you're leading people and when you're in certain situations where our lives are depending on this and that. But what I'm doing now is I'm part of the John Maxwell team. Yay. Yay, all right? The John Maxwell team is a worldwide organization teaching leadership and values to people and organizations all over the world, in every country of the world. So I'm a very proud of our organization. And now I'm teaching leadership to people that I come in contact with, business and organizations around the Jacksonville, Florida area and in uh, the Newport, Rhode Island area. First of all, I want to thank you for your service. And, you know, one of the things that you kept mentioning was integrity. What does that mean to you and how important is that for leadership? It's very important for leadership. What it means to me is doing the right thing always, no matter if you're going to get praised for it, no matter if somebody sees it. 
You have to have integrity. Mm -hmm. So, you know, whether you're talking about denting a car when you pull in the parking lot and that person's not there and you think, oh, well, I'll just park somewhere else and I'll get away with it. No. Oh, my goodness. I did that with my father's car. <laughs> oh, yeah. You have yes. to put the note on the windshield yeah. and say, hey, I did this. Please call me. We'll take mm -hmm. care of it. Dwight D. Eisenhower, a famous president of our United States, mm -hmm. to the quote that I just read about him recently says, if you don't have integrity, then leadership doesn't even exist. Mm -hmm. You have to have integrity. So it's the basis for everything. Yeah, I agree. So, Mark, how would you describe your leadership style? I would describe it as a servant leader because those that work with me and who my clients are, I'm there to serve them. I'm here to give them what I know, give them from my experiences and coach them through things. I find that when you find you can get buy-in from the people around you that you're trying to influence positively, then things go much better. And I think when you get buy-in from people, then they're willing to listen to you. They're willing to follow you. Mm -hmm. And you can get cooperation. So I would say that I'm a servant leader. I'm a collaborator. I recently did an assessment of myself through the Gallup poll. It's called Strength Finders. It came to find that a few of my strengths are what they call an activator. And they define that as someone that makes things happen. They also said that I'm a learner. I consistently want to improve. And that's true because I read every day. And uh, belief. I have a strong belief based on my core values. Mm -hmm. So that's the kind of the leader that you get when you uh, work with me or when you become my client or we work together or you meet me. That's wonderful. Now, what drew you to do that assessment on yourself? I think that I have a constant desire and I have a constant need to learn better about myself. Through my personal coach, uh, who takes me through an emotional intelligence course, helped me discover a lot of things about myself and learning those things helped me to manage myself better in a lot of different situations. So when I learn what my strengths are, then I think I can better apply what I know and implement things to my environment, to my life, to my mm -hmm. clients, to my team. And actually, John Maxwell, in one of his books, uh, recommended that as well. So based on those two recommendations, I went to the Gallup website, paid for the assessment on myself. And so now I can kind of better look at myself and navigate the world better because mm -hmm. I think the first person that you have to lead is yourself, the hardest person to lead is yourself. Yes, you're absolutely right. Thanks. Now, Mark, which quote or quotes about leadership speak to you and why? Great question. There's so many great quotes. And I have three, if it's okay if I share Of course. Three. So the first one is by John Quincy Adams. If your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you are a leader. Hmm. And I think that's exactly it, when you can positively affect someone. The next quote is by someone that we know pretty well, John C. Maxwell. A leader is one who knows the way. Goes the, the way, way and shows the, the way. way. So you know that. We know that guy. Mm -hmm. We know that way. What you're doing is awesome. By Thank the way. you. This is a great service. And my third quote is from Peter Drucker. And it's kind of how I think that we need to kind of change the mindset in, in a lot of different organizations. Management is doing things right, and leadership is doing the right things. That's deep. Yeah, it is. So those three quotes spoke to me about leadership. The reason being is it talks about impacting people and helping them become the best selves. It talks about what you have to do as a leader as an example. Knows the way, goes the way, shows the way. Mm -hmm. And the third one is 
what are we really talking about here? We're talking about leading people and doing the right things, and that goes back to the integrity. Okay, great. Now, what type of leader are you inspired by and why? Another great question. I would say transformational leaders. The one that make big changes in the world and very impactful on people. So that would be, for me, Gandhi. Uh, he changed India forever. Martin Luther King, he changed America forever and how we look at people. John Maxwell, because he's helping change the world and raising the world's awareness of leadership and how important it is. Winston Churchill, because I think he was a big cog, and I know we're American and we want to say Franklin Roosevelt during that time. He had a big part of it too. But I think Churchill was the catalyst and he saved democracy. See, he brokered a deal with Russia to mm -hmm. get Russia away from Germany and then Russia and the United States and England and all the other allies finally defeated Germany and saved democracy for the world because just think how the world would be today mm -hmm. if Hitler and his people would have won. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even want to think about it. Mm -hmm. And finally, the last one is Jesus Christ himself as he saved the world. Mm -hmm. You know, and he saved me and if you read scripture and if you really look at his life, his entire life, he was pushing the big rock up the hill with the world. So he had a lot of challenges and he made a huge impact on the world. And those are certainly transformational leaders. When you think of all of them, is there something that they all have in common that makes them transformational? Great question. Like, I would say that they all have convictions. Because when you have information and you want to act on information, that's information. But when you have pushback from the world, from your team, from your spouse, from whoever it may be, information, I don't think, holds up well to criticism, controversy, or the pushback. Mm -hmm. But when you have convictions about what you're doing, you have convictions about your beliefs, that can hold up. All those men have had a lot of controversy and a lot of pushback on what their beliefs were and what they were trying to do, but they stayed the course and they followed through and they were successful. Thank you so much for that. Here's another good question. <laughs> this one I got from John Maxwell himself. What's the best advice you've ever received? Aha, uh -huh. I recognize that one. I've gotten so much great advice in my life. This is a difficult one to pick out, just a few. This comes from a difficult experience I had in the Navy and it was a challenging time, the duty station and the mission that we had. A senior chief in the Navy, during a discussion with him when we were trying to solve the problem, instead of talking about the problem, he looked at me straight in the eye and he said, Mark, what is your role in this? Mm. What has your behavior done to create this? And he was telling me I had to be accountable and responsible for my part in it. How I did made, you respond? At first, it kind of shocked me. I was like, well... Well, what do you mean? Isn't it obvious that the problem is somewhere else besides right here? Right. <laughs> and I really took it to heart and I evaluated myself and I said, you know what? There's a couple things that I could adjust here and there's a couple things that I have to own. It really opened my eyes in that situation. As you told the story, I kind of pulled up some memories when someone asked me, what's your responsibility here? At first, when I didn't understand where that was coming from, you get very defensive, don't you? Yes. Because I guess we can come from a place of blaming or complaining, right? I agree, yes. And as leaders, we always have to ask that question, what is my responsibility here? Because I asked myself those questions, I developed this podcast. Is that right? Uh, yes. Me? So that's a great question. That's great advice. Anything else you want to share about advice? Yes. If you set your mind to it, you can achieve it. You can make it happen. 
My father told me that many times because obviously he was a challenge for him to raise 12 children. But then I was the last. And uh, even at that point, he said, you're the run of the litter. But if you set your mind to it, you can make it happen. My father and I aren't men of great stature physically. Let's put it that way. Well, you look big to me. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) We weren't terribly poor, but we weren't affluent at all. But he said, if you can set your mind to it, you can make it happen. And I've always applied that in my life. I said, no matter what, if I want it, if I work at it, if I keep believing, I can make it happen. Obviously, within reason. You know, I'm only 5'8". I'm never going to play in the NBA. But if I can put a reasonable goal out there and Mm -hmm. put the commitment behind it, I can make it happen. Thank you for sharing that with us. Now, Mark, in the Navy, in the corporate world, you've been a part of teams. So what does it mean to have a good team? And how do you build or sustain one? I think having a good team is everything because nobody gets there alone. If you're a tennis player, you're out there on the court by yourself, you're executing, but you didn't get to that point by yourself. You had coaches, you had trainers, you had your parents, friends that supported you. Mm -hmm. And you cannot win without a good team. You can't accomplish, you can't succeed. If it's possible and if you have time, I would build the team one person at a time. I would build it based on the desire and the people that you want to have. And we know from the law of magnetism is you don't attract the people that you want, you attract the people that you are. Mm. You get what you deserve in a sense. So be the change you want to see in the world. My favorite quote. From Gandhi, right? How you build one is be a good teammate first of all. Make sure everyone on your team knows that you care about them. Not specifically about the job that they do, which is important and you do care about that, but care about them as individuals. Mm -hmm. Because when they buy into you, then whatever message you have, whatever mission you have, they're going to buy into that as well. They're going to buy into the leader before the mission anyway. Mm. Let them know they're important. Let them know that they're appreciated. Build a team of leaders so they can go and lead and carry the mission for you, and then you can build another mission on top of that. So a good team is everything, and how you build one is first be that good teammate and be what you want your teammates to look like. Great. Okay. Can you tell us about a challenge that you've experienced and how it has shaped your life? At 53 years old, I've had a lot of challenges in my life. And I hope that from here forward, I don't have as many, but I'm going to say that I probably will. But the one challenge that I like to speak about comes from my family. As I said, I have a large family and I'm the 12th of 12. Number 10, our brother, who's five years old when we were born. So if you can imagine his life for the first five years, he's the king. He's the youngest one. Everybody pays attention to him. Everybody takes him everywhere. There's a story that goes around in our family that he was dad's buddy. He would follow him out to the garden, and they would do chores together. He would go to the store with them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, think of his surprise and his reaction when... He got dethroned. Boom. boom. <laughs> Twins are dropped in his lap. He was not happy, to say the least. So to make a long story short, he was not very friendly to me, and it showed. So that had a challenge of my worthiness of myself. And for the first parts of my life, I didn't feel very worthy. Uh, I can look back now and understand how I was then, but then I didn't understand it. And he didn't understand it. And I don't mean to run him down because he was five years old. What is he going to do, right? But today, I mean, we have a great relationship, and we've had a great relationship for 30 years But that challenge was for me to get overcome this feeling of not feeling worthy and always looking to him for acceptance and for validation. And once I learned that it wasn't him that I needed to be validated by, it was 
my own wants and desires, and if I thought it was good enough, it was good enough. But then later in life, as I became more of a Christian, realized that the validation only needs to come from the Father. Mm-hmm. The validation of folks in this world, even my brother, was not important. So if I lived my life and did my actions and was in alignment with how the Father sees me, which I'm the apple of his eye, then everything's going to be okay. So how it shaped my life was striving not to reach acceptance from those who I don't need acceptance from and doing the things that are in alignment with my beliefs instead of trying to be a people pleaser. Now, Mark, I know that that took work because to understand that about you, it's a big deal. Um, Because it kind of paves the way for everything else. How important is it for a leader to really have some self-awareness and to do the work? It's so important to have that self-awareness about you. Find out what your strengths are. Have that self-awareness about where's my blind spot and why am I not succeeding? What is my responsibility in this? What behavior am I exhibiting that I need to stop? Or what thought pattern am I going through that I need to stop? That self-awareness is critical and where that comes from it could be many sources Uh, it could be your best friend it could be your spouse a good professional development coach can help you find those of course that helped me a lot with that again it was an emotional intelligence course that we go through and that kind of brought that out and doing that work and accepting that and then finding a solution because you have to find a way to label what the emotion is that you're feeling or what that is and it took a while for me to figure out where that came from because where it affected my leadership was being a people pleaser. You can't lead people when you're trying to please them. Because being a leader sometimes means people aren't going to be quite happy with their decision, but decision is best for the team. And being a people pleaser, that can lead you down a rabbit hole, right? Because you want to look good in front of people, and then you start to compromise your integrity, and you start to create situations that aren't the best, not only for you, but for those around you. And so it can be a very dangerous place for a leader and Mm -hmm. for those that they lead. So I'm really thankful that you shared that, and I know that that's incredibly important, and I want to honor you because I know that that wasn't easy. So I'm assuming you also do work here for your clients. And if some of our listeners wanted to reach you, what kind of services do you provide, and where can they reach you? Thank you. The kind of services I provide is uh, personal coaching where we can Map out what it is that you want out of your life, in all aspects of your life, your professional career, your personal life, your community, your spiritual life. I can address all those things. We can work together to put together the best plan for you to live the best life that is designed for you. For example, one of my clients, I've worked together for about two years now. He and I went down and we uh, went through the book called Put Your Drinks to the Test by John Maxwell. And we mapped out his mission statement, we mapped out his dream statement, and we implemented in his life how he's going to achieve those dreams. And this day, he's very confident, makes decisions very well because they're in alignment with his mission and his dreams. Mm -hmm. And he's actually found that the career that he was in and the environment in was not good for him to, one, live the best life that he wanted to live and be the best person that he can be. And it wasn't in alignment with his mission and his dreams. And he's seeking a new career opportunity. So he is well on his way to doing that. I do some exercises on emotional intelligence. We do some exercises on developing your mission statement. We do exercises on finding that blind spot, finding your strengths, finding your weaknesses. We can also map out a strategy to reach your goals. The reason that a coach is good in this area 
versus maybe a best friend or a spouse. I don't have an emotional attachment to you, so therefore I'm only looking for what is best for you. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe a friend or a spouse has something that they want from you. Maybe their goals don't align with yours and maybe not give you the best advice that's going to seek you to get to where you need to go, and that could lead to frustration. Mm-hmm. And so where can they reach you? At my website, the John Maxwell Group forward slash Mark Missigman. M-I-S-S-I-G-M-A-N. And my email address, mark.missigman at gmail.com. Thank you so much. Now, Mark, can you tell us about one of your greatest successes? The one that I really am proud of is the development of a young person who was on my team in the corporate world. He came on my team in 2006 or seven, and he had great potential. He was a young guy, worked hard, cared about what was happening, and he was making $35,000 a year. And when he came on my team from a different part of the company, and I saw that salary and I said, my gosh, this kid is well underpaid. He has got so much potential. He didn't know it. So long story short, I brought him on my team and I developed him. I taught him about the business of cybersecurity, which is what I was doing at the time. I taught him how to interact with clients. I taught him about contracts. I taught him about business development. I taught him how to lead projects, how to interact with clients. Over the nine years that he was on my team, he became the guy that ran the business for me. So because a lot of our clients were not local to where we were, we did a lot of traveling. And as his life grew and his family grew, he had to take a job that was more local. And he left the team, which I was sad to see him go, but I understood his decision and supported his decision. But I know today that he's making uh, over six figures in his career, and he's leading a major project for the United States Air Force and leading a team. And he's doing it very, very well. So I would say that's probably one of my greatest successes is his success, because that's what I think the best success as leader is your people, because that's what it's all about. That's a great story there, because just thinking about leadership and how you developed this leader, and it took time and patience. Absolutely. It took a lot of time. And a process, right? You have to love the law of the process. It certainly was the law of the process. Leadership develops daily, not in a day. It's not a microwave, it's a crock pot. And it took time. And the first couple times that I told him, hey, we're going to do this, he kind of looked at me like, me? <laughs> like, yeah, you, you're coming along. I took him along to every meeting that I had with the customer. I took him along to every trip that we had to show him and teach him at my elbow what I was doing and poured every bit of knowledge that I could find and poured it into him and let him go out, give him some rope, not necessarily to hang himself, but to feel freedom, feel independent enough so he could learn and get his feet under him. And as I developed him and we went through different experiences, I say a lot of times he saved the day from his skill and his caring and his work ethic. And other people in the team started feeding off of him and following him and asking for advice. But it took about nine years. And you have to be patient and you have to know that person well enough to allow them to grow but not let them feel as though they're a science project. You have to get their buy-in. This is what I want for you. And he's like, okay. He said, I'm just a kid from a small town in Georgia. I said, I know. If I can do it, you can do it. (laughs) So you had more vision in him than he had in himself, correct? Yes, I did. Awesome. Okay. Here's a quick message to help you start 2018 strong. I'm launching new mastermind groups in January 2018 that will help you grow your influence, whether you're an educator, administrator, or just hungry to grow. 
Take advantage of our early bird registration and sign up for a group that fits your schedule. Go to masterleadership.org and select Masterminds. Mark, what would you tell a new leader who's discouraged about their working climate or culture? First, I would say, I'm sorry that it's this way and it shouldn't be this way. But you can make changes. You can lead from where you are. It's up to you. Whether you're in the middle of the organization, you're at the bottom of the organization, you're outside the organization where the environment is or the culture is, you can lead and begin to help make changes and change that culture. But you got to find a catalyst for the change. And the catalyst for the change oftentimes is the leader. But what would be the reason that that organization would change its climate or culture? That's what you got to find. Because change comes for two reasons, as we know. Either comes from desperation or inspiration. So in the people that you're leading, you've got to find that key to turn in them. Are they desperate enough to try it a new way? Or how can you inspire them enough to try it a new way? How can you inspire or find the desperation in people above you to change? And I would say, give it your best shot. You know, give it a year. And if you can't change a culture and you're discouraged by it, then maybe you're the right person for the job, but you're in the wrong place. And it may be time to walk away because people won't change their awareness or recognize the problem again until they find those two keys and are willing to change. Either they're desperate enough or they're inspired by something. And how important is it, especially at this time, to have someone speak into your life? Oh, my gosh. It's, it's incredibly important because I think that the person that's in this bowl of discouragement and negativity they need someone to reach up to and pull them out of it and maybe help them sit above it and look down on it and help them create a strategy mm-hmm. to make that change. And for the encouragement, because that person is, as you said, discouraged already and they need encouragement. As Melvin Maxwell said, when do we need to encourage other? And the only time that we shouldn't is when they're not breathing. Okay, great. Now, Many leaders describe themselves as lifelong learners. What does that mean to you and what are you learning now? What that means to me is we have to keep learning as leaders because I believe as a leader, you have to keep giving. You know, as I said before, I'm a servant leader and what I do is I give Mm -hmm. and I give of myself and I give of my knowledge and my experience and my time. So what happens if when you give all that you know, are you done? You are done. Mm -hmm. So we have to keep leading and we have to keep learning. The world changes, the situation changes, cultures change. How I led in 1980 is different from how I led in 1990. It's different from how I led in 2000, and today it's much different. We have to keep learning, and we have to adapt to keep pace, to keep giving, and to keep providing opportunity for people that we are leading. So what are you learning now, Mark? I recently read a book called Boundaries for Leaders, Results, Relationships, and Being Ridiculously in Charge by Dr. Henry Cloud. What I'm learning now is that leaders create the environment for their team, and they do that in a mental and emotional capacity, and we have the ultimate responsibility to do it. We are the key. And what Dr. Henry Cloud was talking about in his book is that we can create an environment where people can successfully lead based on how we set their mind. So if we're clear with them about the direction that we are going, if we're clear with them about their role in the organization, and if we're clear with them about what they should do, if we're clear in our communications, and if we're consistent in that, then they can succeed. But if we're not clear or if we're chaotic in our direction, if we change directions too many times, then they can't succeed because mentally they can't keep up. 
And when he talks about being ridiculously in charge, we as leaders, we are the ones that are responsible for that. So it helps me every day when I interact with the people that I lead to be sure that, okay, what did we talk about previously? And what did we talk about that was important? So I need to make sure I'm clear on that and I stay on that message and I keep pushing that agenda forward. And I don't talk about what's three or four agenda items down the road because we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. I need to keep myself and us moving towards them, but we don't necessarily need to talk about them today because we have to accomplish the goal of the moment. I love how focused you are on clear communication. I know for me, I've had to practice that because what we say may not be necessarily what lands, right? Yes, yes. (laughs) So in order to have that clear communication, we have to make sure that we're listening too for responses so that we can understand, did it land? Did they get the message? Or am I listening deep enough to be able to communicate clearly? I appreciate that. Thank you. How are you doing with that? You know, I'm growing every day. I love what I do. I love interviewing thought leaders. I love interviewing people who pour into others. And so I'm learning and growing all the time. So what I'm learning is that learning is exponential, (laughs) which is really cool because if it had a ceiling, I'd be stuck. Um, Yeah. So I think with the podcast too, Mark, my listening skills are becoming better. Good. That takes work. And I want to recognize that too. Good job. Thank you. Okay, so this is a question I ask because there's so much talk about education and so many opinions about education. And so I know that you come from a different discipline. We have a lot of listeners, but most of them are in education. I've opened this up to different disciplines because I believe that we can all learn from each other. I agree. Um, So I really appreciate you taking the time to really serve us and to pour into us. So if there were something you could change in education in the U.S., Mark, what would that be? Well, I do have some touches with the education system. My eldest brother was a teacher for 35 years, and my eldest sister was a teacher as well. My daughter is currently a teacher with exceptional students, and her husband is a teacher in uh, biology and zoology. So I I am kind of tied in closely with the education. And, And you're right, there is a lot of talk, there's a lot of chatter about what to do with education. So I have some thoughts on that. I think the first thought is if we're talking about what can we do to improve it or what can we do to make it work better, I think the first people we need to listen to is the teachers themselves. Let's do a grassroots, a ground-up assessment of what really works and what they need. It's a difficult job. It's a very noble job. It's a job, if you think about it, where would any of us be without teachers, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that would be the first step that I would change. And I'm not saying that school districts and senators or representatives in their states and their cities and counties are not listening to the teachers. But I think that that's the source. If you go to the front lines and you find the truth. The other thing that I would like is get back to teaching to learn rather than teaching to test and help kids be able to learn how to think rather than memorize. Hmm. I think that we're, we're teaching kids just to memorize this for this time period and then we'll wait. Okay, that's good. Put that away. You don't need that anymore. We got to get ready for the next test. We got to get ready for the next exam because I'm getting evaluated on that, the teacher's getting evaluated on that, and the school's getting evaluated on that, and that's tied to funding. We want schools to be productive, and we want schools to be effective, so what is that method? 
not a question I could even answer, and I wouldn't even want to address that, to be honest with you, because it's not in my skill set, and I wouldn't want to offend anyone by trying to think that I know that. But I think those are two ways, and I think that one thing that I would do is want to tell each teacher how important they are in that classroom. And they are the leader at the moment of that child, and they can have a huge impact on that child's life, whether they're kindergarten, grade school, middle school, or high school. Some of the fondest experiences I have in school is when I had a great teacher who understood his or her role in that job. So I don't know if that answers the question, but those are kind of my thoughts on education. You've hit the nail on the head, I think. I think to me, those are my passion points. The fact that teachers are leaders, teaching to learn, wonderful. Thank you so much for that. Um, Now, Mark, what have you read that our listeners should read and why? I love this question because my girlfriend calls me the bookworm. And I read all the time. So I have three books. Is that okay? okay? That's perfect. The first book is by James Allen, and it's called As a Man Thinketh. And the reason I would recommend that everyone read this book is through this book, you find out you are the key to your life. You're in control of it by how you think, because your thinking will be manifested in your behavior, your actions, and your decisions. It's the key to your happiness, your success, your failures, and your challenges. The second book by Napoleon Hill, and it's called Think and Grow Rich. A powerful book. Yes, it's a powerful book. And it's not necessarily about making money. It's a book to where you can read it and and it helps you create a plan for what you want. How you define riches, where it's a happy home life. It's a job that you love to go to where you help people. It's how to be charitable. How you define what life is about. And it helps you to create a plan and helps you to understand again that you can create it. If you set your mind to it, you can make it happen. And the third book... This one is very key as well. It's a book by Gary Chapman, and it's called The Five Love Languages. And this helps you understand the relationship with your significant other or your spouse, because this is the key to having a good relationship, which is the foundation of your life. If you have a strong marriage or if you have a strong relationship with your significant other, the rest of life becomes easier, I believe. I believe that because I experience it. I'm experiencing it now. It also provides you insight into other relationships that you have through this book. So you can kind of understand why this person or that person acts the way that they do or responds in this way to what you may have done or said or shared with them. So this is the best book that I've ever read about relationships and especially about relationship with your spouse. And if you can have your spouse in your corner and you can have a great relationship, then the rest of your life becomes easier and it becomes more fruitful and becomes beneficial and becomes rewarding, significant, can go along all day with positive, so I'll stop. You know, one of the things that I'm starting to do, Mark, with my guests, and this is a practice in listening as well, is listening for things that I see in you that speak to your leadership. So I've written a couple of words down. Do you mind if I share that with you? Absolutely. No mind at all, please. Okay. All right, so one of the first things, of course, that pops up is your integrity because it's the first thing you said, that you value that. You occur to me as a person who's very curious, a person who's self-aware, someone who's thoughtful, generous. And when I think about the person who you led, I think of you as a visionary. You have vision for other people. You value people greatly. You have deep convictions and you're a learner. Did I nail that? 
I think you nailed it. Absolutely. Wow. And I'm honored for you to assess all those in me. Thank you. I'm learning to listen. So I appreciate those books. I think they're great books. I've read two out of three. All right. So Mark, what do you do on a daily basis to set your mind for the responsibilities you have? But what I do on a daily basis to set my mind for the responsibilities of my day is after I'm awake and I get my bearings, you know, what city am I in, where am I at, what, what room am I so in. I'm gathering you're not a morning person. I'm getting better at being a morning person. <laughs> Starting to appreciate it. I read scripture. I read the Leadership Bible by John Maxwell every day. As you know, he teaches us leadership lessons that are come from the Bible. This helps me with my soul. Mm -hmm. After that, I reflect and I pray. After that, I take out a journal and I just journal whatever's in my mind. I don't filter this. I don't try to write like Shakespeare, just whatever's in my mind, just pour it out. And what that does is it gives life and air to my thoughts and it helps me center on where am I at that day? What is going on in my mind? Do I need to be where these thoughts are? Or do I need to set these aside and get with my day? Or what do I do to need to deal with these thoughts? It's funny. I was taking a course online and they talked about journaling. And I immediately took out my notebook in my computer. And he said, no, 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 no. Take a pen and a paper. Yes. And there's something that happens when we do that that yes. connects us to our thoughts. And so yeah. I'm starting to do that as well. And I think that's a pretty powerful practice. When I'm on the computer, because they're self-correct, there's all kinds of things, I get distracted by that. When I'm writing, it pours out. And I so see. I see the difference. I very much agree that there's a magic that happens when it's on paper and it's staring back at you and it's something that you created. Maybe I'm just old school, though, too. Listen, I love technology and I prefer technology, but I did yeah. notice that. That's good. I'm glad yeah. you do. I'm glad that's working for you. So that's what I do to set my mind. And one thing that I don't do daily, but I probably should, is I exercise as much as I can. It's the other thing that helps set my mind for the day. Yeah, thank you. You're so, welcome. Mark, if you were to go back in time, what advice would you give the younger you about leadership? I would say to my younger self that leadership is important and that you need to develop it. Because one method of trying to lead people doesn't work for all people. And that there are parts of it that you're not good at, dude. <laughs> or do that. <laughs> you need to work on those. Yep. As you and I both subscribe to John Maxwell's brand of leadership and how he's defined it, he has a book, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And if you ask him what's the one thing he knows about leadership, and he would say there's 21 laws and there's 21 things about it. And no one does them all well. So I would say to my younger self, accept that you don't do everything well. Because at that point, I was very ambitious and I was very driven. And I was like, okay, what's the next thing? Okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it great. And I didn't do that great. But I kept trying. And what I need to do is strengthen and sharpen what I do well and find somebody to help me do what I don't do well. And that's what I've learned to do later in life is realize that I don't do well with details. You know, I ordered some books to give away to my nephews. And I have 10 nephews, but I ordered eight books. So how does that work? They get to share. <laughs> so details are not my great strength. It ties back to the story that you shared, how you've learned to really be okay with that, that you are enough and you understand your strengths, you understand your challenges, and that's okay. I love that. It just also takes a lot of the pressure off because sometimes we're so hard on ourselves. You yes. know, the judgment that Good. oozes out of us is ridiculous. But when we're judgmental with ourselves, that means we're judgmental with other people as well, and that has an impact. That's good. Can I use that? 
Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Go ahead. (laughs) So is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners that we haven't addressed? I did have one thing that I wanted to share with our listeners that I kind of touched on, but I want to go back to to kind of go a little deeper, if I may. Sure. For the listeners out there who are teachers, which I presume a majority of them are, and that's great, I really value teachers. Your role in a young person's life is so critical. I would say to look at them and not only look at them how to teach them the subject, but also teach the student the person. Teach them a life lesson, a leadership lesson, a relationship lesson. Because you are the leader for that person for that hour, for that half day or the full day, whatever you have time with that student. You can make a huge impact in this person's life if you help them with their life or life in general, as well as the subject of the day. So, for example, here in Florida, we just had to deal with Hurricane Irma. So I imagine there's a lot of students out there who are still struggling to get their mind wrapped around that devastation and that storm. And so if you can help them understand that and realize that everything's going to be okay and dealing with another student and with their big brother and sister. Help the student with their life because when you help someone with their life, you've one, made a friend, and two, you've made a positive impact on that person. And maybe they'll make a positive impact on the next person. You've planted a seed in that person that they're going to grow. Mark, I want to thank you so much for adding value, not just to me, but to our listeners. It was my pleasure. And I have to say I'm very honored and grateful for this time. And I want to thank you for what you do. And it's been great meeting you and talking with you. You're a wonderful person and a great leader as well, I can tell. Thank you. It's been fun. Hello, leaders. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.